just gave us all authority, the life we live, we live for him. Full of glory and ability. We walk in grace. We look like him. Amen. Father, we yield. We yield our minds. We yield our hearts. We yield every imperfection, every thought, everything the accuser has brought before the table, we yield it unto you. That there shall be no distractions as we fellowship. Father, wash us with the waters of the word. Where Christ is revealed, the believer is unveiled. So, Father, reveal yourself to us. That we may walk in the unveiling fullness of your nature. Reveal yourself to us. That we may rest assured in you. Lord, reveal. That in the mystery of your revelation, we may come to the identity of who we are. May we know who we are in you. May we know what you've called us to do. By knowing you, we may be all that you have called us to be in you. In Jesus' name. You this time, Father. We have come to rest. We have come to know. We have come to be empowered. Holy Spirit, take preeminence. You are the revealer. You are the teacher. You are the helper. Help us to learn. Grant, magnify your grace that makes preaching, teaching, and understanding easy. Everything that comes with the fullness of your spirit, make it tangible to us. That we may understand. We may receive your counsel. We may receive your strength. We may receive your wisdom, knowledge, and understanding in this time. In Jesus' name. Thank you for revealing all truth. Thank you for unveiling us that we may walk and look like the Father. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, everyone. We are finally in the last seven days of this journey. And we are close. We are closer to the end. Today is day 16 of 21. My name is O.C. I am O.C., one of the sons at the Sonship Place. Today, the topic we're speaking on is the believer unveiled. It's a heavy topic we are going to be speaking on. And to be honest, in the next six days, we're gradually taking the gloves off and speaking on heavier topics. Why I call it heavy is because some of the things we're going to be learning are things we may not have heard before or things that are often shied away from and it's being spoken in the gospel. Because they are, these things are heavy, I appeal to everyone that's going to listen to this. Let give the word the grace the word has to do what the word has come to do. Don't look at me. Don't look at your pastor. Don't look at anyone. Let's all examine the word. Let's all examine the word. And if this word, wherein we hold our Christian faith, is saying some things, no man should be able to tell you different. No man should push you away from this truth. No man should scare you away from your own veiling. No man should have that power when Christ has given that power to you. Christ democratized this gospel. No one is above you. You are one with him. You are one in him. Please, it's important that this salvation that we have received not be missed or caused to be misunderstood by anybody else. This gospel is so easy. It takes someone else to confuse you. The goal of these 21 days is to bring believers to a place of fellowship where believers know the word for themselves, where believers are confident in the word themselves. The problem with this Christianity is that people keep looking to people to learn about Christ. Christ came to you to remove the middleman. Stop putting middlemen in your relationship with him. 
the person is saying something from the pulpit, check the word. Here at Sonship Place, we train each person. We teach each person. We encourage each person to learn the word for themselves. Know the word for you. Have your identity in the word. So that it will never be said that someone confused you. That because a person misstepped, it caused you to miss the word. No. No man can fully represent Christ. We are each trying to learn Christ. That's why I said, Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. No, he was not telling you to follow him. He was telling that the method, the system, the way he's following Christ, an example you should follow. So follow him as he's also following Christ. So we are all following Christ. Stop looking for middlemen. Stop looking for people you should not be looking for in your intimacy with Christ. Intimacy. Into him you may see. So that in, uh, because into you he sees. But he's telling you that into me see. And that is why it's intimacy. He has brought you into intimacy. Don't bring anybody else to add into the equation between you and him. Your oneness is with him. There is, not, there is no us in oneness. It's you and him. Please, as we go on in this journey, concluding fellowship, let us enjoy this testimony, this time, this understanding of fellowship between the Father and his Son. He gave the Son that you may become a son. He gave the Son that you may walk in the identity of sonship. He gave the Son so that the finished work of faith could be a testimony of finished work for you. First for you, then in you. First for you, then in you, so that love may be the glorious inheritance of the believer. That aside, to my dearest sister here, happy birthday to her. Love and appreciate you. Grace is multiplied unto you. We're so proud of you, the woman that you have become. We wanted to continue to continue to be the great woman of Christ that you are. Happy birthday. Love and appreciate you. Talk to you later. But let's keep going. So, you know, salvation was not a surprise to God. Salvation was not something that happened, that was happenstance. Salvation was a thought out decision that God made for man. Having considered all things, having considered every possible outcome of all the situations that was on earth, God preempted salvation. God preempted salvation as a, as a decision for him. At the risk of sounding like aspire to perspire, let me say this. Christ is the present that was present to the present, to present before his presence. To bring man to the to his preessence, that to bring man to their precepts, and to bring man into the fullness of his precepts. Let me repeat it again. I'll repeat it again, and I'll break that down, and then we'll go into scripture. I'll repeat that again. Christ is the present that was present to the present, so that that present can be present before his presence. To bring man into their pre-essence, to bring man into their pre-sets, and to bring man into the fullness of his presets. Let's break that down. Christ is the present, which means he's the gift. Christ is the present, which means he's the gift. He was a gift that was given. He was something that was given to man. He was something that was given to us. So he's the present. He's the present that was present. So it, he was present. He was sent before all time. He was sent in the foreknowledge of God. He was sent as a thought. God was not surprised by, by sin. God was not surprised by everything the enemy did. God was not surprised by the plan of man. He was a present present. That's why Christ was sent before the, he, the lamb was slain before the world began. So he was a pre-thought. It was a precursor to the decisions of man. So Christ was present. So he's the present that was present. He was present in foreknowledge. So for God who foreknew, foresent Christ. So Christ was present. So Christ is the present that was present to the present. 
So he was sent to the present. That's why I am. He's the now and for all time given to the believer. He's the now and for all time given to the believer. So he's the present that was present to the present. To be present as what? A sacrifice. So he was present. So he was presented as a sacrifice. He was presented. What? He was presented. He was showcased. He was presented as a sacrifice. So Christ is the, pres is the present that was present. That was present to the present to be present before his presence. Who's present? The Father. He was present to the present to be present as his presence. So he was present to be present. He was present to be present. He was present to be he's presented as a sacrifice unto the Father. To bring man into their pre-essence. Who they were in the beginning, their pre-essence. Who they were before all time, their pre-essence. Who they were when they were first created, their pre-essence. The original intention of the image of God is our pre-essence. So he was a sacrifice, which, which is the present, the gift, in God's presence to bring us to our pre-essence. To bring man to their preset. What is their preset? As one in the original intention of the likeness of God. Our preset, the original settings, our default settings. So he brought us back to our original settings. Yes, Yosola, the Genesis 1.26 man. Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. So man, he made man, men and women in him. So he, they made him in the image. They made, him in, they made them in Christ. So he was talking about the born again man. So he took us to our preset, our pre-fall settings, living by breath and living by the tree of life, which is what was ordained for us. Living by breath, the Holy Spirit, living by the river, the Holy Spirit, living by the tree of life, Christ. That was our preset. To bring man into his fullness, the fullness of his precepts as one in the original intention of his will. So let's go and let's say that whole phrase again. That aspire to aspire phrase. Let's say it again. Christ is the, is the present that was present to the present. To be present before his presence. To bring man into their pre-essence. To bring man into their presets. And to bring man into the fullness of his presets. Is that making sense? Everything I said, even hearing it, sounds like a mystery. And many people have talked about mystery, 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 mystery. Why is this thing that was said, this play on words, this play on the word, this play from the word, sounding like a mystery? It sounds so complicated to understand. Like words jumbled together. It seems to reveal a bit of the meaning in types and shadows. Like it was speaking before, but now it should speak now. Let this scripture, we would like to understand the mystery of this word and what scripture has to say about this mystery. Can this mystery be unveiled so that the believer can know who they are? Can this mystery be revealed so that the believer can better understand this aspire to perspire things that it seems like the Bible is saying? Let us go on this journey today to get to the bottom of this mystery that the believer can be unveiled in Christ. Because wherever Christ is revealed, the believer is unveiled. So let's journey together and see in the unveiling so that we can stand in our revealing in Christ. I start with 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6 to 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6 to 10. I'm reading it in Amplified. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6 to 10. I'm speaking it in Amplified. We know that with when they, for us to understand a mystery, we need some sort of wisdom and we need some sort of power 
to get to the depth of a mystery. You know, let's go. Yet we do not speak wisdom among those spiritually mature. Yet we do not speak wisdom among those spiritually mature believers who have teachable hearts and greater understanding. But it is a higher wisdom. So it's a different kind of wisdom we are talking about here as we are going into it. But it's a higher wisdom, not the wisdom of this present age, nor of the rulers and the leaders of this age who are, who are passing away. So it's a wisdom, this wisdom of this mystery supersedes the leaders of this age, supersedes the rulers of this age. The wisdom of this mystery that belongs to us, this mystery that we just described with aspire to perspire terms, this mystery belongs to us. It is beyond the wisdom of this age. We need a special kind of wisdom. It's a wisdom for those with teachable hearts. It's a different kind of wisdom. Let's keep going. But we speak God's wisdom in a mystery. Okay, so that God's wisdom is spoken in a mystery. Let's keep going. The wisdom was hidden from man, but now revealed to us by God. That wisdom. So this wisdom has been revealed. So there is no mystery. And the, the wisdom that is required for the mystery has also been revealed. Let's keep going. What was that? Seven. But we speak God's wisdom in a mystery. The wisdom was hidden from man, but now revealed to us by God. That wisdom, which God predestined before the ages to our glory. So this wisdom, this mystery is for our glory. Let's keep tracking. To lift, off, lift us into the glory of his presence. We know that Christ was lifted up, not just on the cross. He was lifted up because he's seated far above principalities and powers. He's seated in the highest seat, seated right beside the Father. And we are seated in him. So this wisdom must be something about our seats in him. In this highest place, this wisdom, this mystery, this glory which we have been lifted into must showcase itself in the revelation of our identity in our seats with him. So this revelation, let's keep going. None of the rulers of this age recognized and understood this wisdom. For if they had, they would not have not crucified the Lord of glory. But it is written in scripture. But it is written in scripture. What does scripture say? Things which eye has not seen and the ear has not heard and which have not entered to the heart of man all has God has prepared for those who love him. So this mystery is a preparation of is a, is a preparation that God has done to us, done for us, done in us. Eyes have not seen, ears have not heard this about this mystery. But they said the mystery has been revealed. So let us know this mystery that has been revealed, that eyes have not seen before, ears have not heard about before. So, things, have, things which I have not seen, ears have not heard, which have not entered into the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him, who hold him in affectionate reverence, who obey him, and who gratefully recognize the benefits that he has bestowed. For God has unveiled them and revealed them to us through the Holy Spirit. For the Spirit searches, so, wait, wait, wait. All these mysteries have been unveiled and revealed by the Holy Spirit. So this present mystery, yes, your solar, this present mystery, this, your solar, you're already going ahead, which is good. Yes, Christ is the wisdom of God. Christ is the power of God. He's the wisdom, he's the power. He's the wisdom, he's the power. He's the wisdom, he's the power. So if the mystery takes wisdom and the mystery glorifies us in the power, so that means, you get it? Let me not say it yet. Let's keep going. For the Spirit searches all things, Diligently, even sounding and measuring the profound depths of God, the divine counsels, and things far beyond human understanding. So, the Spirit who has searched God has brought us this mystery. So, the mystery is revealed to us by the searching of God. So, there is a person in God, there is a person who is God, that the Spirit has searched to bring to us that mystery. And that person is also the wisdom of God. So the, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of wisdom searched God to produce wisdom as a mystery and is now, that wisdom produced as a mystery is now given to us. That person 
Who is the wisdom as a mystery? Who is the wisdom of God? Who is the power of God? Has now been given to us, unveiled and unpacked as a mystery, given unto the believer. There is no mystery for you. Let's keep going. Let's keep interrogating scriptures one after the other, one after the other. Colossians 2. Because we've said Corinthians here before. This, I don't want to go to Corinthians because, you know, we've said Christ is the wisdom of God. Christ is the power of God. As revealed in Corinthians, as Yusola said. But, you know, people may say Corinthians has said it. I want us to go to other scriptures that say the same thing that Corinthians has said. Because if you don't know by now, the mystery that has been revealed is that we are one with Christ. That's the first part of the mystery. One with Christ, one in Christ. That is the mystery of the believer. And we will understand today what is so mysterious about this. What is so mysterious about our oneness with Christ? What makes this mysterious? Are we tracking? So, yes, fireworks, wonderful. What makes this so mysterious? What makes this time, this expression so mysterious? That Christ, the wisdom of God, Christ, the power of God, has been unveiled to, unveiled to the believer, given to the believer, making the believer one with him. What makes this expression so powerful? We are going to track. We are going to see what makes us being one with Christ. Us, us being the mystery of God. Us, that one with Christ mystery. What makes it so special? Let's go keep tracking. Colossians 2. two to I'm reading in, in the message. Colossians 2. I'm reading the message. I'm going to read 2 to 4. 6 to 10. 18 to 19. Colossians 2. So I'm reading in the message, verse um, Colossians chapter 2, 2 to 4, 6 to 10, 18 to 19. Colossians 2, I start from 2 to 4. I want you woven into a tapestry of love. In touch with everything there is to know of God. Then you will have minds confident and at rest. Focused on Christ, God's great mystery. Okay, so the great mystery of God is Christ. Remember, we read once, we heard once in the scripture, Christ in you, the, the mystery, Christ in you, the mystery of Christ in you, the hope of glory, the mystery of Christ in you. Okay, then he said, Then you will have great minds, confident and at rest, focused on Christ, comma, Christ is what? God's great mystery. So, the mystery that we are lifted up into, the mystery that we are seated in, the mystery that is our glorious inheritance is Christ. Anybody that wants to teach you otherwise, anyone that wants to break it down to you any other way, chase them out of your church. Chase them away or run away from them. You have woven into the tapestry of the identity of Christ. That is a mystery. Because how can you, how can man be woven into the tapestry of the identity of God? It cannot make sense to the common man. That's why it takes spiritual beings to inter interpret spiritual things. That's why the Bible now says we interpret spiritual understandings with spiritual things. Because it takes the spiritual understanding to interpret the mystery. So it is the Holy Spirit in you that breaks down the, to your understanding what you have received in this mystery. What you have received from your oneness with Christ. Let's keep going. See, then you will have great, have minds confident and at rest, focused on Christ, comma, God's great mystery. All the rich treasures of wisdom and knowledge are embedded in that mystery and nowhere else. You need nowhere else. So you don't need to go out of Christ to find wisdom. You don't need to go out of Christ to find knowledge. In Christ there is wisdom. In Christ there is knowledge. Everything for life and godliness to the believer is in Christ. And we've been shown the mystery. So since you've been shown Christ, you have seen the mystery. I'm telling you this because I don't want anyone leading you off on some wild good chase after other so-called mysteries or the secrets. When you start hearing people telling you portals, mysteries, dimensions, uh, when they start telling you, when they start, see, the Bible said, I don't want anyone leading you off on some wild good chase 
after other so-called mysteries or the secret. There is no other mystery because any other mystery is another gospel. Any other mystery is another gospel. There is no secret. We just came from that all secrets have been revealed because the Holy Spirit has searched the heart of God and searched the heart of men. And every mystery and secret has been brought forth to the believer. Please, don't let anybody deceive you. Let's go 6 to 10. From 6. My counsel for you is simple and straightforward. He didn't say it's not bending. It's not meandering. It's not going up and down. The counsel is simple and straightforward. Just go ahead with what you've been given. You received Christ Jesus, the master. Now, leave him. Leave Christ. Remember, is a B style of living. In him you live. In him you move. In him you have your being. So you be and you live in him. That's why you be, live. So it's a B style of living. Be Christ. Live Christ. So in him you be, in him you live. So the assignment of a believer, the mystery revealed in a believer, is the believer, be and live in Christ. Simple. Christ is the Christ you've been given as a mystery. Leave him out. So that the mystery becomes a revelation to the world. You are deeply rooted in him. Just go ahead with what you... My counsel for you is simple and straightforward. Just go ahead with what you've been given. You received Christ Jesus the master. Now leave him. You are deeply rooted in him. You are well constructed upon him. Believer, you are well constructed in Christ. No one can shake your foundation. No one can shift your identity. Let no one tell you there needs to be a new rearrangement of your foundation and identity. That there needs to be a new treadmill of performance. That you need to go and fast for 40 days. That you need to go and sow one dangerous seed. Christ is the dangerous seed that was sown. That it may reap other dangerous seeds. You are the dangerous seed. You cannot sow yourself. Because Christ was the dangerous seed that was sown. That you may become a dangerous seed upon the earth. So you are well constructed. You don't need to, no one to deconstruct you so that you can to build up their own gospel. Christ broke himself down so that you may become the foundation upon where you were built, so that you may be built and solid in him. He completed you. You are a perfect structure. You are well constructed and formulated in his identity so that you may, be, you may, come, you may form the reality of Christ in every situation that you are in. You know your way around the faith. You know your way around Christ because faith is a person. That person is Christ. Faith is also his finished work. You know your way around the faith. You know your way around the finished work of Christ. Remember, faith is a person. Faith is the finished work. But the faith is the embodying of Christ and his finished work. So you know your way around embodying Christ and his, and his finished work. Now, do what you have been taught. So now, embody Christ. That's what they are telling. School is out. Quit studying the subject and start living, living it. And let your living spill over into thanks giving it watch out for people who try to dazzle you with big words and intellectual double talk bible does not go around the bush they want to drag you off into endless arguments that never amount to anything <clears throat> they spread their ideas through empty traditions of human beings and empty superstitions of spirit beings if you have to spend so much time elaborating on what the devil is doing how the devil is doing it. Let's study demonology. Let's announce how we, how we can meander and battle against the devil. No. We don't study the counterfeit to understand the real. We study the real. When you understand the real, you will recognize counterfeits. We, the more we know Christ, the more we know everything and everyone that's not like him. The more we stand in the light, we don't interrogate darkness. We turn on the light. People. They spread their ideas through empty traditions of human beings and empty superstitions of spirit beings. Superstition, because someone is casting out a demon and having a conversation with a demon, trying to understand what is the demon. That is how a lot of false theologies have been created by demons teaching people, teaching deliverance ministers, quote-unquote deliverance ministers. You don't even need to go. Let me get into that. We'll discuss that tomorrow, so we can get into that tomorrow when we get into all those discussions tomorrow. So, Doctrines of demons. Doctrines of demons in spiritual warfare. Doctrines of demons have become educations for the church. Where, where the devil is a liar, there's no truth in him. So he gives you enough, enough semblance of truth 
to convince you and enough lies to confuse you. So the enemy, so and the spirit is not an author of confusion. And so people have taken doctrines of spirit beings, confusing the church, saying what Jesus did not say. But that is not the way of Christ. That's what the Bible says. They spread the ideas through empty traditions of human beings and empty superstitions of spirit beings. But that's not the way of Christ. Everything of God gets expressed in him. So if everything of God gets expressed in him and he says you have been risen and lifted up into him, so that means everything of God gets expressed in you. You can see and hear him clearly. You don't need a telescope, a microscope, or a horoscope to realize the fullness of Christ. It's an insult to your identity as the believer to name yourself after a planet, to name yourself after a star. Because, see, you are in the beginning. You are in the beginning. All things were created from him. You are in him. All things were created from him. So that means everything that is around you is a product of your existence in him. Everything around you is a product of your existence in him. That is why in the Old Testament, Joshua could ask the sun to hold in the space, and it held. So you are naming yourself over something that you have authority over. Oh, you are a Leo, you are a Capricious, or you are a, uh, whichever, is it Capricorn or whatever they call those things. So you have reduced yourself to the universe. Hey. Christ did not die for that. You are great in him. Walk as him. So you don't need a telescope, a microscope, or a horoscope to realize the fullness of Christ and the emptiness of the universe without him. When you come to him, that fullness comes together for you too. His power extends over everything. You are one with Christ. You are one in Christ. So as, full, as, as long as you have the fullness of him, his power through you extends over everything. His power through you extends over everything everything 18 to 19 says so don't tolerate people who try to run your life ordering you to bow and scrape insisting that you join their obsession with angels and that you seek out visions for christ is the vision of god he's the he's, he's so he's the visible of the invisible for you to see the invisible it requires a vision so the person that came that you may envision the invisible is christ so he's the vision of god so we write the vision, we write the word, we write Christ, we make him plainly before the world, that we may run with him. So we they, they have waited on long. So we run and we are not weary, we walk and we do not faint. We, we are not faint. So we have received the vision and we run with him. And that's why in running with him, who is the vision, we live by faith. Habakkuk 2, 2 to 4. That's the explanation of what that means. So there are a lot of air. That's all they are. They are completely out of touch with the source of life. Christ, who puts things, puts us together in one piece, whose very breath and blood flows through us. He's the head and we are the body. So if, if body and head are one, if you remove the head, the body dies. For the body, for the head to execute its will, it requires the body. So you and Christ are one. He thinks you ex execute. He decides you feel. He moves. He, he, he decides you feel. He thinks you move. He decides you fulfill. So him and you are one. You are the extension of his fulfillment of, of, on earth. You are, the you are the regulator on earth of his decisions in heaven. Because you are seated in him, seated as one with him. You are an extension of his reality, a proclamation of his identity, a revelation of his fulfillment. You are the finished work of the finished work on earth. So you finished work that he has finished on earth. So you go there proclaiming the finished work as the thoughts of Christ are executed in the body. You are that body. He's the head. We are the body. We can grow up healthy in God only as he nourishes us. Now, we come to Hebrews 1, 1 to 3. Hebrews 1, 1 to 3. I'm reading an Amplified Classic. Hebrews 1, 1 to 3. That is why he says, In many separate revelations, each of which set forth a portion of the tr truth, in, and in different ways, God spoke of, spoke of old to our forefathers in and by the prophets. To the, even the prophets of old. Because the testimony of Jesus is the essence of prophecy. So, the testimony of Jesus is the essence of prophecy. The testimony of Jesus is the essence of prophecy. So, what prophecy, prophecy is, what the prophets of old did, they testified of Christ. That's what made them prophets. But they could not see what we could see. 
they do not have the mystery like we do. It has not, it was not unveiled to them. They saw in portions we see in full. They saw in portions what we see in full. We see that we are one in him. We see that we are one with him. We see from the mystery. So whatever he is, we are. So, but in these last days, he has spoken to us in the person of a son whom he appointed heir and lawful owner of all things. If he's heir and lawful owners of, owner of all things, we also in, in him own all things. So we who are, are, who are lifted up in the glorious mystery, in the glorious inheritance, we are lawful owners of all things. Also by, also by and through whom he created the worlds and riches of space and the ages of time he made, pronounced, built, operated and arranged them in order. He is the sole expression of the glory of God. Along with him, remember, we came from, we are now lifted into the glory. So now, we are now expressions of the glory of God as one with him. You now see why this is mysterious, why it's called a mystery. And all these mysteries have been unveiled. You share his glory. So you, he is the sole expression, but in you, you have now become the expression of the glory of God in every space that you are in. The light being, he is the light being. You are the light being. He said, I am the light of the world in John. Then he goes to Matthew, says, you are the light of the world. So whatever he is, you are. And the outreign or radiance of the divine. Now you are the radiance of the divine in every space. How wouldn't this be mysterious? You are the radiance of the divine in every space. And he's the perfect imprint of the image of God's nature. Upholding, maintaining, guiding, and propelling the universe by the mighty word of his power. So you... You are responsible for your region. You are responsible for the space that you are in. You are responsible for everything. So stop complaining about your situation. Speak. Because Christ in you is the hope for glory, not just for you, but to those around you, that your light may shine and they see the glory of the Father. Speak so that light may be in the space that you are in. People, you're not a yes, Toba, you're not a beggar. You are a son. You are a son that is one. He had by offering himself accomplished our cleansing of sins and redance of guilt. He sat down on the right hand of the divine majesty on high. This is why we're lifted on high into the mystery because the mystery himself is seated on high. So in the mystery himself, we are seated on high. Are we tracking? Are we tracking, people? That's why Romans 8 29 to 30, Amplified also says, Romans 8. See, we are going through different scriptures. So you are not saying it's one, from one place. We are going through different scriptures, written by different people, coming into different witnesses, so that we can understand that this thing is true. Romans 8, 20, Romans 8, 29 to 30. I'm reading Amplified, Amplified Classic. I'm reading Amplified Classic. Romans 8, 29 to 30 says, For those whom he foreknew, so we are the ones that were foreknown by God. Amplified Classic, not Amplified. So for those whom he foreknew, of whom he was aware and loved beforehand. Remember, salvation is not, a, is not a surprise to God. It's a forethought of God. He thought through and decided to save us. He considered all the things that it will cost. And then he, he made an intentional decision to sacrifice. That's why that, that song that says God's love is reckless. Oh, do you um, reckless God of God. That's, that's scripturally incorrect. For someone to be reckless, he did not think through. No, he thought through. He made a decision. He considered that I intentionally have decided that whatever it will cost. So the king considered the cost and then sacrificed his son, sacrificed himself, sacrificed everything that was in him that, made, that meant anything to him, sacrificed it. He decided that we were worth it. So it was not reckless. It was an intentional decision. That whatever it will cost him to bring us back into reconciliation, he paid it. For those whom he foreknew, of whom he was aware and loved beforehand, he also destined from the beginning for ordaining them to be molded into the image of, the, of his son. So now, we came from where we saw in Hebrews that he is the image of the son. So now, we are also the image of the son. This is why, when the enemy wants to come before the court to accuse us, he cannot accuse us because the judge... The person, our advocate, and me, all of us look alike. So he does not remember who is the person that he wants to accuse. Can he accuse the judge? Because now, the person he wants to accuse, he said he's the image. The son is the image of the father. We are the image of the son. We are conformed to the image of the son. So the judge in the, in, in the judge in the docket, 
the son who is the advocate standing beside us and we who are the, who are the ones that are supposed to act all three look like the same person so it's like the person is wearing different clothes but they are all the same person no he, he gave us the robe of righteousness so we have the robe that makes us look like what the judge what the advocate uh, will be wearing so he cannot distinguish who is, is it the judge that i came to accuse or the advocate that i came to accuse so everybody looks alike so the accuser cannot know who to accuse he finished work. He finished work. So do not reduce your reality or your identity because the accuser wants to speak. He cannot accuse you because to accuse you, he has to accuse the father. Then he has to accuse the son. And both are not guilty. So by the time he, he's like someone coming to a place, claiming, ah, this person did this, this person did this. Oh, yeah, who is the person? When the person accused the first person, I said, no, 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 no. I, I was there with this person. I accused the second person. Ah, please get out. You have done it twice. It has no opportunity to come and accuse you because he tried to accuse the judge. He tried to accuse the advocate. Who is he going to accuse? All three of you look the same. Please. He also destined from the beginning for ordaining them to be molded into the image of his son and share his inwardly likeness and that he might become firstborn among many brethren. So uh -huh. you are also firstborn along with the firstborn because you cannot be co-heirs because the, 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 the heritage is for the firstborn. But you are co-heirs along with him because he's firstborn amongst many firstborns. 30. And for those whom he foreordained, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified, acquitted, made righteous, putting them into right standing with himself. And those whom, whom he justified, he also glorified, raising them to a heavenly dignity and a condition or state of being. So your condition or state of being as a believer is glory. And what, is, what does that mean? You have a heavenly dignity. You look like God in every space that you are in. You look like God in every space that you are in. So the lie of the enemy is to cause you to not believe or recognize who you are. You have a heavenly dignity. Now, not tomorrow. Now. You have a heavenly dignity now, not tomorrow. You know what I mean by now? Let John talk about this story. John, because Osi, let's, let's not listen to Osi. Let John himself. First John 4, 15 to 17. First John 4, 15 to 17 says, I'm reading an Amplified Classic. First John 4, 15 to 17 says, Anyone who confesses, acknowledges, owns that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides, lives, makes his home in him, and he abides, lives, and makes his home. In God. So there's a co-abiding. Co-abiding. There's a co-abiding of Father and the Son. By belief, there's a co-abiding testimony for the believer. So this is, can we see why it's a mystery? How will God abide in a human being? So by belief, there's a co-abiding situation. So the situationship of the believer is in Christ. Your situationship, your relationship, your fellowship, your identity is in Christ. Are we tracking people? 16. And we know, understand, recognize, are conscious of by observation and experience and believe, adhere to, and put faith in and rely on the love of God for us. So, the love, I love how I put it, the love God cherishes for love. So, God doesn't just love us. God cherishes his love for us. So, we know we understand, we recognize, are conscious of, by observation, and by experience, and believe, and we adhere to, and we put faith in, and we rely on the love God cherishes for us. God doesn't just love you. He cherishes his love for you. So his love for you is important to him. That is why the prerequisite of the sacrifice of Christ is love. For God so loved that he gave his only begotten son. So the whole, the whole preempt, preempted salvation is love. Is this making sense to you, believers? So, God is love. Since when it comes to you, when he comes to you, that he presented his identity as love. Nowhere in the Bible is he talking about that. Until it comes to you, when it comes to the discussion of everything he does and what he cherishes about his believer, he came and said, look, I want to present, je me present, I am love. Let me present myself. Let me introduce myself. The, uh, the version of the I am I need you to know 
is love. The blank check of the, the blank check I am giving you, the, what I am writing is love. So whatever love means to you, if it means the sacrifice of Christ, take it. If it means my glory, take it. If it means my identity, take it. If it means my image, take it. So if you have someone's image, that means whatever, whatever, whatever he has, you have. Because you can go into places claiming that you are him and you will receive everything that he receives. Huh. So you have my image. You have my word. Take it. So that means whatever he has spoken, you can say. You, you have my son, my firstborn. So whatever, is he, whatever he has a right to, you have a right to. Take it. So he gave you his image. He gave you his likeness. He gave you his word. He gave you his life. He gave you his power. He gave you his glory. So when you step into the place, God has stepped into the place. I know I'm shaking theologies with this. This is Bible. Remove your emotions and your sentiments from this. Let's listen to scripture so that sons can stop being up, abused by reality, influenced by, the, by accusers, and then walking less than who they are. Remove your sentiments. Follow scripture. God is in a You are in a place. God is in a place because Christ in you is the hope for glory in that place. It is not an insult. It is not blasphemy to claim oneness with God. He said it that you are one with him. So you are in a place. Jesus is in the place. So everything he is, you are. Everything he does, you should do. You submit to the Holy Spirit who empowers you to be the fullness of Christ in every place. He directs you to do what God wills. You, he leads you to do all things for the good pleasure of God. That is why the God, the God consciousness, a.k.a. the Holy Spirit, is in you. So he gave you his consciousness along with his son so that you, you operate in his consciousness, you see, which is his likeness, and you look like him. So, by the grace of Christ, who is the Holy Spirit, through the faith of God, which is Christ, you can then say, I am. God is love. He who dwells and continues in love dwells and continues in God, and God dwells and continues in him. In this union and communion with him, love is brought to completion and attains perfection with us, that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, with assurance and boldness to face him, because as he is, so are we in this world. So you have confidence in judgment because the person who the judgment is in your favor. The person that will judge, the person that will advocate, the person that will the person that will judge and the person that will advocate, you look like them. So how would they accuse you? Who can accuse you in judgment? When the person that would have judged you made you look like him, so that no one can accuse you. To accuse you, to attempt to accuse them, must accuse him. They have to get past him, get past Christ to get to you. Ah, uh -uh, come on. You have confidence in judgment because you look like the person that would have pronounced judgment against you. Because no one can pronounce in anything unless God says so. And the person who has the say so has made you in his image, made you in his likeness, and made you an expression of his love. Are we seeing? Are we seeing? Are we understanding? Same image, no judgment. I wanted to go forward, but the Holy Spirit said, actually, I would have me repeat what we started with this time. Actually, Colossians 1, 11 to 20, 26 to 27. Colossians 1, 11 to 20, 26 to 27. I'm reading in Tipiti, the Passion Translation. Colossians 1, 11 to 20, 26 to 27. Then I will now go to Colossians 2. Okay, Colossians 1, 11 to 20. And we pray. That you'll be energized with this explosive power from the realm of his magnificent glory, filling you with great hope. Your heart can soar with joyful gratitude when you think of how God made you worthy to receive the glorious inheritance freely given to us by living in the light. The light is a person, that person is Christ. So you now live in Christ and you have a glorious inheritance. He has rescued us completely from the tyrannical rule of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom realm of his beloved son. So, wherever you are, kingdom realm is. Since you are translated into the kingdom realm, wherever you are, kingdom realm has come. That is why, repent, for the kingdom of God is now in heart. The kingdom has come wherever you are. For in the in this son, all our sins are cancelled, and we have, re, we have the release of redemption through his very blood. So you have release, and you have redemption in the blood. 
He is the divine portrait. Another person has come to talk again. Colossians has entered this matter. He is the divine portrait, the true likeness of the invisible God, the firstborn heir of the creation. Okay, that's about him. Let's keep going. For in him was created the universe of things, both in the heavenly realm and on earth, and all that is seen and all that is unseen. Every seat of power, realm of government, principality and authority, it all exists through him and for his purpose. He existed before anything was made, and now everything finds completion in him. He is the head of the body. Hey. So all those things that describe, describe him who is the head. And if he's the head of the body, what happens? As he is, so are you. Sons, you have received power over every principality. So now, you are seated far above principalities and power. So now you have authority. Over, over every realm of government, over every principality, over auto, every authority. In the heavenly realm, you have authority. On the earth, you have authority. Over all things which are seen and unseen, you are now the image of the Father. And he has given you his word to speak to the universe, to speak to your situation, to speak to all that surrounds you, so that you have power in he who has power over all things. He's the head of the body, which is the church. And since he's the beginning and the firstborn heir in resurrection, he is the most exalted one, holding first place in everything. For God is satisfied to have all his fullness dwelling in Christ. And by the blood of his cross, everything in heaven and earth is brought back to himself, brought back to his original intent, restored to his innocence again. So in Christ, you are brought back to your original intent. In Christ, you are brought back to your innocence again. In Christ, you are restored to your innocence. You are restored back to God's original intent for you again. And so 26 then says, There is a divine mystery, a secret surprise, which has been concealed from the world for generations, but has now been revealed. So the mystery has been revealed. The secret has been, the concealed secret has now been unveiled. The secret has been revealed. It was concealed from the world for generations, but it has now been revealed, unfolded, and manifested for every holy believer to experience. So the mystery is for the believer. Living within you is the Christ who floods you with the expectation of glory. So the mystery, your mystery, the mystery that has now been unveiled is that you are one with Christ. And that oneness with Christ floods you with the expectation of glory. So Christ in you, the hope of glory, is the mystery. Your oneness with Christ, that Christ is now in you. That is glory. That is the mystery. Because all these things, that means the fullness of God, is now at work in the believer. How is that not a mystery? How is that not a shock? Then Colossians 2 goes on to say, Colossians 2, 2 to 4, 6 to 11, 14 to 15. Let me just go. I'm trying to decide if I want to, you know what, for the sake of time, because we already, we already way above time, rather than repeating, I'm going to go straight to Ephesians 1, 3 to 11, I'm, TPT, Ephesians 1, 3 to 11, TPT says, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm has already been lavished upon us as a gift from our wonderful heavenly father, the father of our Lord Jesus, all because he sees us wrapped into Christ. So every spiritual blessing, so if you are praying for blessing in the heavenly realm, if you are praying for any spiritual thing, from the moment you receive Christ, you receive all spiritual gifts, all spiritual anointings, all spiritual set apart. Everything spiritual you received in Christ. Everything spiritual you received in Christ. Every spiritual blessing, God gave it to you because he sees you wrapped up in Christ. So this is why we celebrate him with all our hearts. And in love, he chose us before he laid the foundation of the world, the foundation of the universe. Because of this great love, he ordained us. So love is the why of God. Because love is the why of God. Love is the why of God. Love is the why of God. Returning us to eternal life, which is knowing him. Knowing him is the what. So the end goal of God, love is the why. Why, the, why was love given? To bring us to eternal life. How was it done? Through Christ. So how was it done? In salvation. Who did it? Christ. Love is the why of God. Eternal life is the what of God. Salvation is the how of God. Christ is the who of God. So in Christ, you know who? You know God. 
In salvation is the how to get to the what. That what is eternal life. So he, in love, he chose us before he laid the foundation of the universe. Because of his great love, he ordained us so that we will be seen as holy in his eyes with unstained innocence. So your innocence in Christ cannot be stained because the word continues to wash. You have an eternal bleach, an eternal washing soap. That soap is Christ. For it was always his perfect plan to adopt us as his delight. So your adoption as son, your adoption as a child of God was always God's perfect plan. God's plan was always to have you as a child. For it was always his perfect plan to adopt us as his delightful children through our union with Jesus, the anointed one, so that his tremendous love that cascades over us will glorify his grace. So the glorification of grace is in the revelation of love. For the same love he has for the beloved Jesus, he has for us. And this unfolding plan brings him great pleasure. Since we are now joined to Christ, we have been given the treasures of redemption by his blood, the total cancellation of all our sins, all because of the cascading riches of his grace. So sin is no longer a discussion of the believer. Son is. This is the superabundant grace. This superabundant grace is already powerfully working in us, releasing us from all forms of wisdom and practical understanding. And through the revelation of the anointed one, he unveiled his secret desires to us. The hidden mystery of this long-range plan, which he was delighted to implement from the very beginning of time. So the implementation of Christ as a mystery is something God had planned from the beginning that we may be one in, in him, one in Christ, become co-heirs, we may become son in the son. And because of God's unfailing purpose, this detailed plan will reign supreme through every period of time until the fulfillment of ages finally reaches its climax when God makes all things new in heaven and on earth through Jesus Christ. Through our union with Christ, we too have been claimed by God as his own inheritance. You are God's inheritance. So no one should insult your word when God claims you as an inheritance. Understand this. You have inherited from God. You have inherited things from God. You have inherited things from God, but God is claiming you as his inheritance. So if you are God's inheritance, can you imagine your worth? You are God's inheritance. Can you imagine your worth? Before we were even born, he gave us our destiny that we will fulfill the plan of God who accomplishes every purpose and plan in his heart. That's why Ephesians 3 now comes in to say, Ephesians 3, 1 to 12 now comes in to say, Beloved, because of my love of Christ. So Paul was a prisoner because of this. Let me start from two. For, start from three. For this wonderful mystery, mystery which I, be, I briefly described, so he described it in one, was given to me by divine revelation. So that whenever you read it, you'll be able to understand my revelation and insight into the secret mystery of who? The Messiah. So the secret mystery of who? The Messiah. The mystery that we are one with Christ. But there's a second part of this mystery. The first part of the mystery is that we are one with Christ. So we are Christ, are one. Us believers are one with Christ. There's a second part. There has never been a generation that has been given the detailed understanding of this glorious and divine mystery until now. He kept it secret until this generation. We are that generation. God is revealing it only now to his sacred apostles and prophets by the Holy Spirit. Why sacred apostles? Why um, prophets? For an apostle is a special messenger. The description of apostle is a special messenger. The description of prophet is someone. See, the testimony of Jesus is the essence of prophecy. So prophets are people who testify of Christ. So the special messenger brought the testimony of Christ by the Holy Spirit. So God is revealing it now. Through the special messengers, bringing the testimony of Christ by the Holy Spirit. That's what that, that, that sentence just said. Here is the secret. The gospel, of, the gospel of grace has made you, non-Jewish believers, into co-heirs of his promise through your union with him. And now you have become members of his body, one with the anointed one. So this is the second part of mystery. The mystery, whether Jew or Greek, old or small, man or woman, 
regardless of who you are, you are now one in Christ. So we believers are not just one with Christ. We are also one in Christ. That is the mystery. That the great and small, rich and poor, regardless of your standing, you are also one in Christ. How can people, old and small, different dimensions of their being, still be one with Christ? This is a mystery that we are one with Christ. There is a mystery that men of different statuses are also one in Christ. This is why it is a mystery. The revelation of Christ in and through the believers is the mystery to the world. 7 to 8. I have been made a messenger of this wonderful news by the gift of grace that works through me. Even though I am the least significant of his holy believers, this grace gift was imparted when the manifestation of power came upon me. So the gift of grace is the revelation of the mystery. Grace alone empowers me so I can boldly preach this wonderful message to the non-Jewish people, sharing with them the unfading inexhaustible riches of Christ, which are beyond comprehension. So this mystery was supposed to be beyond comprehension, is now revealed to us by grace. My passion is to enlighten every person to this divine mystery. It was hidden for ages past until now and kept a secret in the heart of God, the creator of all. The purpose of this was to unveil before every throne and rank of angelic orders in the realm of God's full and diverse wisdom revealed through the church. So, it was to show the principalities, show the powers, show the angels that, look, these people are one with me. So, the mystery has been unveiled before angels, unveiled before principalities, unveiled before thrones and kingdom, that you are one with God and one in God through Christ. This perfectly wise plan was destined from eternal ages and fulfilled completely in our Lord Jesus Christ so that now we have the it was fulfilled in our in <laughs> this perfect wise, perfectly wise plan was destined from eternal ages and fulfilled completely in our Lord Jesus Christ so that now we have the boldness through him and free access as kings before the Father, because of our complete confidence in Christ's faithfulness. Free access, what? As kings. That's why Toba said, beggars. We are not beggars. We have free access as king. If he's king, you are king. That's why he's king of kings and lord of lords. You have free access as kings. And here we close. That's why in John 8, he said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will also have light. He said, I am the light of the world. He called himself the light of the world. But then also, he now said, in Matthew 5, in Matthew 5, 14 to 16, he now said, you are the light of the world. A city set upon the hill. Let your light so shine before all men. They may see you and give glory to your father. So he's the light of the world. Now you are the light of the world. So as he is, so are you in this world. So here, we now close. We close with John 17. We close with John. Oh, put it on. John chapter 17, 18 to 23. John 17, 18 to 23. Sorry, the screen just messed up. John 17, 18 to 23 is where, is where we close. So I say, so like people, some people have had this knowledge and revelation. Yes. The gospel has been democratized so that we may enjoy Enjoy oneness with God. John 17, 18, 23, Amplified, says, Sanctify them in the truth. Christ is the truth. Christ, I am the way, the truth. Christ is our reality. Sanctify them in the truth. Set them apart for your purposes. Make them holy. Your word is truth. That's why he washes us with the water of, of, of the word. He washes us, his bride, with the water of the word. So he what, he, what does he do? He sanctifies us in truth. Just as you have commissioned and sent me into the world, I also have commissioned and sent them, believers, into the world. For their sake, I sanctify myself to do your will, so that they may also be sanctified, set apart, dedicated, and made holy in your truth. I do not pray for this alone. It is not for their sake only that I make this request, but also for all those who will ever believe and trust in me through their message. That, will, that they all may be one. Just as you, the Father, and I, just as you, the Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be one in us, 
Okay, hold on. Let me repeat that. In case you did not hear it. For those at the back, let me repeat it again. But also for those who will ever believe and trust in me through their message. That they may all be one, just as you, the Father, are in me and I in you. That they may also be one in us. Thank you. Two-factor authentication. One, the two of them have made you one. So, by the Father, in Christ, you are one. As they are one, you are one. So that the world may believe with any doubt that you sent me. So the proof of Christ is the proof of Christ to the world is the oneness with Christ of the believer. Hold on. The proof of Christ to the world is the oneness with Christ of the believer. The proof of Christ to the world is the oneness with Christ of the believer. The proof of Christ to the world is the oneness with Christ of the believer. Now 22. I have given them the glory and honor which you have given me. Anybody that tells you that Jesus does not share his glory. He says it here in 22. I have given to them the glory and honor which you have given me. So every glory and every honor Jesus has, you have. So every God's glorious, radiating, God's, God's love operating and radiating in you. Every form of God's love that operated and radiated in Christ operates and radiates in you. That's what glory, God's love operating and radiating in you. God's life operating and radiating in you. So God's love or God's life operating and radiating you, a.k.a. glory. Christ, everything he had, he has given it to you. I have given them glory and honor which you have given me, that they may be one just as we are one. So the glory of the Father is revealed in the oneness of the church. The glory of God is revealed in your oneness with him. 23 says, I in them and you in me, that they may be perfected and completed into one, so that the world may know without any doubt that you sent me and that you have loved them as much as you have loved me. That you have loved them as much as you have loved me. That's why 24 now ends with, Father, I desire they also whom you have given to me as my gift may be with me where I am so that they may see my glory which you have given to me because you have loved me before the foundation of the world. So if everything was preordained before the foundation of the world, if everything was thought for before the foundation of the world, if we were loved before the foundation of the world, and if, if we are a forethought of God, if our oneness revealed, so the oneness was planned, was planned from the beginning, was, was revealed in salvation. If our oneness is revealed, but all the principalities and, power, and powers may know who we are. Why do we walk upon the earth? As if we have no honor. As if we have no glory. As if we have no authority. Today your assignment. Rise up and walk. Get up and walk. Hmm. Get up and walk. Yes, your solar, you are God's gift to Christ. Not only are you God's gift in Christ. God's gift to Christ. The Father sees you as his inheritance. You are the inheritance of the Father. Bless you all. May God bless you as you go into the rest of the day. May God bless you as you walk out in this day. May the testimony of God be yours. May you walk in God's glory. May you live out your oneness with Christ. May you live out your nature in Christ. May you live out the fullness as I am. May you walk in the fullness of your inheritance. Bless you. Glory of God be yours. The testimony of God be yours. The rest of God is yours. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. May the grace of our Lord be unto you as you enjoy the love of God as you fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Thank you all. Have a blessed week ahead. Have a blessed day. See you all tomorrow, same time. And we'll continue on the power of the believer.